welcome to the College Football Bros. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother whose favorite Thanksgiving side dish is... Mashed potatoes. Wow, that's pretty boring. With gravy? Okay, all right. No, well, I actually little, don't like now, gravy. But now you got me. Now you got me. <laughs> I don't like gravy, but I you know, tried to excite it a little bit there for you, Mike. And I'm joined by the other brother who prefers... Cream corn. That's good stuff. Now, that is a mix. true corn husker. Yeah. That's a true corn husker right there. Are you talking about the scalloped corn that we yeah, have? Yeah, I think scalloped corn is really Oh, right. yeah. Excuse me. I, yeah. I should have meant, yeah, you can call it cream corn, but yeah, the I, scalloped corn is so I good. I kind of left that one for Trey because that's- That is my favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite. It's really my favorite too. I just, I wanted to leave that for you guys. All right. Fair, fair. In the spirit of giving. It's rivalry week, guys, which is really hard to say. I've been practicing that. It's a tongue twister. Yeah. Can you guys- can you give me a rivalry week? It's rivalry week. Rivalry week. Yeah, I struggled. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. I, it's not an easy thing to say, but <laughs> no, I'm sure no. we'll mess it up again later. Yeah. Uh, week 12 recap first, though. And Oklahoma State, this was the the kind of big result. They ended West Virginia's playoff hopes. Uh, Ryan, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, it was uh, an impressive comeback by Oklahoma State here. Yeah. I mean, if you would have told me that they would be minus three in the turnover battle, I would have said there's no chance they'd be able to beat Will Greer and the Mountaineers. But Corndog, he was clutch again here. He passed for more than 300 and actually ran for over 100, which he's shown some some legs here late in the year. Um, and in total, the Cowboys were dominant on the ground. They ran for 266 yards. So that was a big reason why they were able to win. But just a huge win for them, though, because now it makes them uh, bowl eligible and they don't have to sweat it out this week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was and it was a classic Big 12 shootout in, in this one. You, Corndog really has played brilliantly in the last couple of weeks against the Big 12 big boys uh, in the, for this year, Oklahoma and West Virginia. But if you're West Virginia, you can't do two things. One, you can't blow a 31-14 lead at half. And number two, like you mentioned, Ryan, you can't let Cornelius run for 106 yards against you. That's that's not good. That's that's yeah, not good. What they give up 38 points in the second half. It's just where was where'd their defense go? Yeah, and they got beat because they allowed Okie State to not be one dimensional since the Pokes had success both on the air and and on the ground. Yeah, on the ground, uh they were shorthanded at running back in this one uh again, but Chuba Hubbard once again, the freshman from Canada had a big game on the ground as well, 134 yards. Um, but my kind of main takeaway, more big picture for Oklahoma State, they're having a weird season. They're, so their last nine games, very weird. three and one straight up as an underdog and 0 oh and four straight up as a favorite. Yeah, they've been kind of just when you expect them to do well, they don't. And when you expect them to lose, they don't. They, it's just weird. It's yeah, I've noticed that. But good, good win for them here. Uh, the only bad thing about this upset, I think we all kind of we all like seeing upsets, but it does take a little bit of the luster off of OU at West Virginia this weekend because now only OU has a realistic chance at the playoff. Yeah, but at least it's still you know Big Twelve title game. Yeah, no, it'll still be awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to Ohio State at Maryland. Uh, the Terps did not trail until overtime in this game, but. Ended up losing after a failed two-point conversion, 52-51. to What What'd you see here, Trey? 
Yeah, the mystery that is Ohio State's defense continued in this one. Maryland, they were able to move the ball extremely well, even without their starting quarterback for most of the year. The Terps running back, Anthony McFarlane, ran for 298 yards, good for a 14.2 yard per rush average. He is a beast. He's a beast. Uh, But Haskins and Ohio State, offensively, they had no problem on their end knifing through the Terps D. And it seems like it's happened often this year where a team goes for two at the the very end to win Mm -hmm. and again i had no problem with it at all this situation called for it as matt canada knew that it was it was going to be doubtful that they could stop ohio state again in in overtime so pigram just missed the wide open receiver yeah he did yep um totally agree with everything you said there and you say the the mystery of the ohio state defense i guess you just mean how are they this bad well, I mean, I know they've lost a ton in the draft, and obviously Bosa didn't want to come back, but but still, they they have talent. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, it's, and it's not a mystery anymore. They're just they're susceptible to giving up big plays. They continue to do it. They had five fifty yard plays given up in this one, um, so I don't think that's going to turn around. And speaking of turnaround, I think this was kind of Ohio State's last chance to flip the script uh, as far as the playoff committee is concerned because maybe if if here they okay they dominate maryland then they can go beat michigan next week and and win the big 10 championship i know i'm there's a lot of ifs there but if they did that then they could have flipped the script to where hey ohio state's back and maybe they would get in over a one loss ou but I'm, I've kind of think that ship has sailed now. I think they've struggled too much. I don't necessarily agree with that, Mike. You don't like, think so? OU, because of what how OU has looked. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk you, about what OU did to Kansas this week. Yeah, or what, they didn't you know. do. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously, still some games to be left to play. But I, I don't know. With if that scenario happened with a twelve and one Ohio State winning the Big Ten, you'd think they'd have to be the top one loss team, assuming you know Georgia hmm. isn't. The, a one-loss team still i i disagree at this point i'd say oklahoma but i it's probably closer than i just let on there yeah yeah it would be it would be a tough decision for the committee for sure but i, I agree with the point that they have lost their chance to like impress the committee to give them the benefit of the doubt i mean i kind of said that a while ago after the nebraska game it's like this team is just i'm done waiting for them to turn it around they're just not gonna get there they're not that great i mean they're a good team still obviously but they're not playoff caliber and it's it's this far in the season there's nothing's gonna change it's they are who they are at this point all right some harsh words from ryan sorry it's true (laughs) we'll talk about their uh game this upcoming weekend of course against michigan later uh but right now let's finish off week 12 with some rapid recaps okay i'll start us off here um my first game will be iowa state at texas the Longhorns finally made Brock Purdy look like a freshman. He really struggled in this game, was even replaced by Kyle Kemp late. Um, but unfortunately for Texas fans, Ellinger had to leave the game early with a shoulder injury, injury and he's uh, questionable for this week's game against Kansas. On the plus side, Michael's boy Shane Bashell, he came in and went 10 for 10. So Quarterback controversy. <laughs> so even if Ellinger has to sit out, I think they should be just fine against Kansas. Um, my next game after that is Michigan State at Nebraska, and uh, of course we received a voicemail for this one. Hey bros, this is Braden calling from Michigan. No questions this week. I'd just like to say I'm sorry to you and all Nebraska fans for having to watch 
that horrific game. It pains me as much as it pains you. There's only one game left this season. It's Rutgers. Go green. Well, <laughs> it was a little more pleasant for us that we won. Yeah, still painful to watch, though. It was definitely painful to watch. It was an ugly game. But hey, Sparty's got more than one game left. They got they got a bowl game, too. So True. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, this was an ugly game. Nine to six. Uh, Nebraska hadn't scored a point until the fourth quarter, and then they were able to kick three field goals. Uh, just a lot of wind, a lot of snow, made for tough playing conditions and two offenses that really struggled. Um, but the Huskers now, they've won four out of five. Um, so a really good second half of the year for them. Things are looking good. Uh, moving on to Michael's, Michael's squad, USC at UCLA. UCLA won a close one, 34-27. Uh, but the Bruins just dominated the Trojans on the ground, in particular Joshua Kelly. He ran for 289 yards. Um, so the loss drops USC to 5-6 and six and probably 5-7 and seven as they play Notre Dame this week. And it's got to be the... Got to be the end for Clay Houghton here, yeah, Mike. I hope so. I really hope but so. But it's kind of. I'm here in. I'm here in Del Rio. Where are you hearing that? Tell them to shut From up. Internet message boards. Real, oh boy, real good no. sources. Well, yeah. we'll we'll get to that some other time. Yeah, I, I mean, it would be surprising though. All right. In my last game, we got Duke at Clemson. Duke actually led this game six to nothing uh, after the first quarter, but then Clemson scored thirty five unanswered to win thirty five to six. And that's six games in a row now where Clemson's won by at least 20 points. So they're just they're just toying with folks right now. Yep. Uh, Notre Dame also toying with folks, at least with Syracuse this weekend, 36 to three. Eric Dungy did go down with a back injury early in the game. There is apparently a chance he will return this weekend. We'll have to wait and see. Um, as far as what this win means for Notre Dame, it's a win over the 12th ranked team in the CFP rankings. I mean, Syracuse isn't actually that good. They were 35th in Massey Peabody going into that game. So in reality, they dominated a slightly above average power five team, but that's still really good. I think Notre Dame is proving that they're a legit top five or six team. Yep, I agree. Uh, Indiana at Michigan. Michigan was down 17-15 at half, but defense dominated second half. They won 31-20. MVP for this game might have been the freshman kicker Jake Moody. He was a record six for six, a Michigan record at least, on field goals, uh, replacing Quinn Nordine, who I think was under the weather. Uh, but they were all about 30-yard field goals because Michigan was terrible in the red zone in this game. Next up, Citadel, the Citadel, excuse me, at Alabama. Weird game here. What what the heck happened? This was the craziest halftime score ever, right? I mean, <laughs> at least Definitely that I can remember. Year. Like, I, it's I, 10 to 10 at half um i doubt we're gonna see alabama schedule any more triple option fcs schools um <laughs> and even the first play of the of the second half uh alabama fumbled the kickoff so you know i mean of course it was never you knew alabama was always going to pull away but it was fun while it lasted alabama did win 50 to 17 and tua was back and broke aj mccarron's single season touchdown record uh reaching 31 touchdowns on the year Finally, the Pac-12 South, Washington State took out Arizona. They were up 55-14 to 14 at halftime. Another crazy yeah. halftime score. Yeah. And they won 69-28 to 28 behind 473 passing yards and seven touchdowns from Gardner Minshew, who our friend Aaron will be happy to hear, our man Crush Monday. Oh, he definitely deserved it. Yep. See you in New York, Gardner. 
Uh, so that knocked out Arizona. Arizona State lost at Oregon 31-29. That knocked them out because Utah won easy at Colorado 30-7 to clinch the Pac-12 South. My first game is Cincinnati at Central Florida. Cincinnati sacked Milton and forced a fumble for a touchdown on UCF's first play, and it looked like the Cincy defense might be able to dictate this game. Instead, from that point on, UCF dominated the Bearcats and won 38-13. UCF's much-maligned defense stepped up and forced three turnovers and held star running back Michael Warren to only 81 yards. So the Knights are now the clear favorite to uh, to win the AAC and get the New Year's Six bid. They're in. They're in. <laughs> What if they lose twice, Ryan? They're out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Kansas at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, of course, won this here, but but breaking news. Kyler Murray is great, and the OU defense is bad. Wow. OU allowed the lowly Jayhawks to score 40 on them in Norman, including 252 yards rushing by Puka Williams. Junior. 17-yard per rush average. <laughs> Come on, Sooners. That's- Puka is awesome. He was a four-star recruit, right? I think. Yeah, he was a. I think he, he was a good recruit. I talked about him earlier in the year. But Kyler Murray continued to dazzle as he count, accounted for five touchdowns. So Tua's Heisman shouldn't be uh, a complete runaway, as most people are calling for. Next game, Pitt at Wake. Pitt clinched the division by handling Wake 34-13 in Winston-Salem. What was really surprising here is that the Panthers didn't win because of their strong rushing attack, but because of Kenny Pickett's arm. He was 23-30 for 316 and three touchdowns. Didn't really see that one coming. Pitt also won the time of possession battle 40 to 20. That's pretty crazy. Boston College at Florida State. DeAndre Francois threw a 74-yard touchdown pass with under two minutes left to win 22 to 21. Boston College's defense didn't really show up in this one as Florida State racked up 478 yards. The Knolls kept their bull hopes alive, though, and now must beat their rival Gators to do it. Finally, Utah State at Colorado State in probably the most Ooh, probably the most yeah. exciting game of the day. Utah State beat CSU 29-24. Utah State was a 28-point favorite but needed a touchdown with 43 seconds left to go up 29-24. Then on the final play of the game, Colorado State threw a 34-yard touchdown to win. The place was going nuts, but upon review, the receiver barely stepped out of bounds on his route. Tough <laughs> way to lose for the Rams and, and fortunate win for the Aggies. That's brutal. That keeps them alive. Yes, it does. Narrowly. Very yeah. close. Wow. That's, that was crazy. That's an game. insane ending. I remember, We were texting during that and you guys yeah. kept saying, oh, with this loss, you know, what does this mean for Utah State? And I'm, I'm like, guys, they... They won, didn't they? Like, well, they just yeah, won. Like, if you checked on the ESPN like GameCast or something, the I was GameCast said yeah. it was final. They won, and then yeah. obviously it reviewed, and <laughs> it was it was uh, it led people to believe it. <laughs> CSU won. It was crazy. Uh, all right, let's get to our segments. Just one segment this week: news and notes, because got a couple big coaching decisions here. The first one: Les Miles has been named the head coach at Kansas. We talked a little bit about this last week, the possibility at least, but now that it happened, what do you think, Trey? So I'm going to lean towards not liking the hire. Uh, okay. I'm going to need less to, to prove me wrong. I mean, it's good for Kansas to get a name, and I do. I think they'll improve, but I just don't know how much. I would have leaned towards a more maybe young and innovative guy, and he succeeded at LSU because LSU can pretty much recruit itself, and he had better talent than other schools. That's not going to be the case at Kansas. I mean, I hope he. I hope he does well. 
He's a he's a fun to have in college football, but I'm going to need him to prove it to me. I, I kind of disagree with you. I think it's a good hire. It's Kansas football here that we're talking about. Getting a name like Les Miles is going to bring some notoriety. It's going to bring some attention that they wouldn't have gotten if they hired Seth Luttrell. Like, who's that? Nobody knows who that guy is um, other than, you know, people like us. But, you know, he's he's going to attract recruits. They're going to get better. You know, so I, I think it's a pretty solid hire for Kansas. Yeah, I mean, I do think Seth Luttrell, a guy like him, well, maybe he wouldn't even have taken it, but I do think that would have been a really good hire just because we've seen him, what he did at North Texas, he, he took a bad program and made them really good. That's what we need to do here. Um, but I will say I have come around to the Les Miles hire. I mean, I never thought it would be bad. I just maybe didn't think it was the best decision. But, you know, if I had to give it a grade, I'd say B+. Plus. It's a yeah. it's a high floor. He's gonna bring attention to them, get some recruits. I think he could be a good bridge to the next guy. You know, like exactly. He'll, maybe he'll make a bowl game in a few years, and you know, when he calls it a day, then they'll be in a better I'm, position. I'm also curious. Yeah, I'm also curious to see who he fills the staff out with. Like, what who's going to be his offensive and defensive coordinator? And that's true. That's, that's a big part of it, obviously. Yeah, because he's not known for his, you know, especially offensively, Hands he's known on. for meddling and yeah, we'll exactly. see. Hopefully so. they get a really good coordinator. Um, okay, next bit of news. Mike McIntyre has been fired at Colorado. Um, do you guys have any issues with that? And what, uh, what candidates make sense to you? I, I don't have any issues well, with the firing. He had lost, you know, six in a row now and he had one good year and it was... We always talked about it being potentially an anomaly, and it's kind of proven to be, especially with that one year with Jim Levitt as being the defensive coordinator there. That was kind of maybe his saving grace for a year, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no problem with the firing here. Uh, As far as potential candidates, I think they have some good options, really. I I, I like Matt Wells. He's from Utah State. I think he'd be a pretty good hire there. He's done it. He's done an amazing job there, but I'm I'm not as convinced on Matt Wells. I mean, he's he's been there quite a while, and up until this year, kind of mediocre yeah. results. And he took over a good program from uh, um, Gary, from Gary Anderson. Anderson. So yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, it's he's having a great year this year, so it's I guess I can't discount that. No, yeah, exactly. Even though I just did, yeah, <laughs> you kind of did. <laughs> uh, but I, I also think maybe a guy like who's been in the Pac-12 before, Jeff Tedford, I think he would actually be a good hire. He's done a remarkable yeah. job there in Fresno. They were pretty bad. So I think he'd be a good hire. Yeah. Another guy being thrown out is Brian Harson from Boise State, which kind of brings up memories of uh, Dan Hawkins, even though they're... Yeah. I don't think they're going to go with Harson. Yeah. I think it'd be a good hire, but it's just kind of weird to go to the same school um, for a coach that obviously dan hawkins didn't work out but um yeah i also have no problem with you know five out of six years were bad from from mike mcintyre so i think it was mm-hmm. time to let him go yep i agree i'm i have no issue with it either and but the the name you guys didn't mention that i might be keen on is eric Bieniemy. uh no he, i no. i mean that he hasn't <laughs> he doesn't have head coaching experience but he was a star player for colorado he's kind of rid, risen in the coaching ranks and he is the offensive coordinator for the the chiefs and we've seen what they've done i know andy reed has a big part to do with it but you know he would be able to and he and when he was in college he was known to be a good recruiter so i don't know i mean it's it's a name how good do you guys think the colorado job is like obviously they've got great tradition they've when we were growing up they were really good but what do you think of it now it's really it's really fallen off. I mean, as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, they're 
they're in the bottom tier there of schools. Uh, it's not it's not what it was back in the '90s when we were kind of getting used to Colorado football. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right, we'll see who they go with. Um, but let's move on. We've got a big preview this week. It's rivalry week. Nailed it. Uh, so let's go conference by conference this week. Do things a little bit differently because um, we want to set up. You know which conference championship games are already set, and then which of the games this weekend uh, matter for those division races that are still up for grabs. Uh, but before we get into the conferences, let's start with the biggest non-conference matchups. And the first one is Notre Dame at USC. The Irish are a ten and a half point favorite. And what's crazy about this one is USC, who has the fourth most talented roster in the country, according to. 24-7 sports team talent rankings needs a win here just to get to a bowl game. And I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, USC's offense this year is just not very good. They rely on hucking it up to Michael Pittman or Amon Ross St. Brown every once in a while. And I think Notre Dame has the defensive backs to stop that. Their secondary has been playing better and better lately. Of course, their D line's great. So I don't like uh, USC's chances in the trenches. And I think JT Daniels is, is going to struggle. He has most of the year. Um, I think USC gets blown out in this one. I just, I'm becoming more of a believer in Notre Dame and less of a believer in USC. So I'm going to make Notre Dame minus 10.5 my lock of the week. All right, Mike. We are on the same wavelength here. That's also going to be my lock of the week. Wow. I just, I know. I'm, I'm just. Ten and a half just seems like way too low for this type of game. I mean, Trojans, they just got ran all over by UCLA. Josh Kelly went out, had a huge day against him. And I, I think Dexter Williams is going to run for 200 plus also. It's just, yeah. I do not see how USC is going to be able to keep this one close. So, yeah, I'm give me the Irish. Easy. So, I'm going to be at this game Saturday night. And Are you? What? I, I am. I am. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe SC can give them a run for their money and, uh, you know shock shock the world are but, you uh are you gonna go say hi to ryan while you're up in la because when i went to a Michael usc didn't. game earlier earlier this year i did not i mean why why wouldn't i no i don't know to be determined but uh <laughs> sounds like a no to me <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a no. I'll be, i got a lot of things to do no we'll see oh. uh but even though it was a down year for sc i really thought this they would be able to give notre dame a run for their money and and then once that UCLA game happened last week when the Trojans gave up 313 yards on the ground, I just, it, and, and then also watching Daniels have a couple on odd and, and kind of off the mark passes. I just, I just lost my, my confidence in them. I, I hope it's close, but uh, I think the Irish are too much here. All right. So next up is, oh, wait, before we move on, do you guys think, um, do you guys think this Clay Helton's job depends on this game or do you think he's fired either way? I, Ooh, wow. I mean, it's hard to fire a guy after, you know, beating like an 11-0 Notre Dame, but I think his job is gone already. I agree. Okay. All right. I hope you guys are right. And I, <laughs> I agree. Although it's hard for me to fathom a world in which USC wins this game. Yeah, exactly. Although they're only 10 and a half point dogs. I guess it, it could happen, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, speaking of USC, let's go to the team that likes to claim they are USC, but they are not. South Carolina is <laughs> taking on Clemson. I'm sure South Carolina fans would be very happy with that. Uh, USC, Tigers USC are junior, a, right? Yeah, yeah. Oof, oof. That's even worse. <laughs> I like the little USC little E. Give them a little E for East. Okay. Um, Clemson's a 26 point favorite here. Uh, what do you see here, Ryan? 
Yeah, it's a it's a lot of points for a rivalry game like this, um, and I'm that's why I'm actually going to take the Gamecocks. And just because as the year's gone on, I feel like Jake Bentley and Debo Samuel they've been playing better and better. And a couple of weeks ago, they went to Gainesville and put up 31 points. I know they lost, but they still had a pretty good offensive showing against a good defense. And so I think they're going to be able to find at least some success against that vaunted Clemson defense and keep this one under 26. I would love for South Carolina to be good because I think this game has potential to be a really fun rivalry. It just seems like they can't match years when when they're good. But uh, South Carolina, they give up over 400 yards a game. So Lawrence, Etienne, and the Tigers are going to roll comfortably into the ACC title next week. Yep, I agree. Clemson has covered, kind of depending when you bet them, but they've covered six straight games. Uh, I just I think they're closer to Alabama than people think, and I think they'll cover here. Uh, but let's move on to Georgia Tech at Georgia. Bulldogs are seventeen point favorite. Trey, break this one down. Yeah, the Yellow Jackets come into this one winning four in a row, and Paul Johnson once again is finding a way to potentially narrowly keeping his job. Yeah, similar, I think so. Similar to bowl games, I tend to look at these rivalry games with who has the most motivation. This is Georgia Tech's Super Bowl and would love to knock Georgia out of the playoff. Georgia obviously would like to win this game, of course, but they might have one eye towards next week's matchup against Bama. So I think the the Tech option offense will give the Bulldogs enough fits to keep them within the spread. Yeah, I agree. Um, of course, last year, Georgia did not have much trouble against the option, but True. This is not the same Georgia defense. Um, and I really think Georgia Tech's offense is is better this year. Massey Peabody has them as the ninth best offense in the country, wow. which is surprising to see. So clean old fashioned hate. I'm taking Georgia Tech not to win, but to cover. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you guys here. Uh, I, I, the motivation factor bringing that up. I don't think Georgia's going to have any problems with motivation here. They're they're in the playoff hunt. They know they need to win and win maybe in style to you know, come make the playoffs. So I'm taking Uga. I think they're going to score at will against the Georgia Tech defense. And they'll, they'll, while their defense isn't as good as last year, it's good enough to slow down the Yellow Jackets. All right. Next up is Florida taking on Florida State. Gators are a five and a half point favorite. Ryan, who do you think is going to win this one? Well, I think Florida's going to win. Uh, but Florida State is coming off their best win of the season against BC. And, but I don't think they're going to have that much success against the Gators here. They, the Gators average over 200 yards a game on the ground, and they've been getting better as the year's gone on. Uh, plus, the Gators should be pretty well rested after they had a pretty easy win last week against Idaho. So it's essentially a buy. A lot of starters got to rest towards the end. So I'm taking a well-rested Florida squad here. Yeah, I, I like the Gators here as well. The Gators, they have a solid defense, and I think they're going to be able to get enough pressure on Francois, and they're not going to allow many big plays from the Knolls. But, you know, if you told Gators fans that they'd start the Molinera nine and three with a win versus Florida state. They, they probably would have signed up for that. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's a successful season, uh, especially if they win this one. And I, I like Florida too. Um, I know last week Florida state's offense put up a bunch of yards, but it was kind of like a, kind of like a good USC game where they, they hit some big plays, but really their, their success rate wasn't good. It wasn't really a sustainably good performance um i still think they're they're bad on that side of the ball so uh that's why i'm taking florida uh but okay let's let's get to 
all the conferences. So we're going to go through all 10 conferences and kind of give you the lay of the land, tell you which games matter um, and which teams will be playing in the conference championships next week. So Ryan, start us out. All right. Well, I got the uh, ACC here. Um, So we know Clemson will play Pitt in the title game. That's already been decided. But there is a pretty big game this week uh, outside of those teams uh, with Boston College hosting Syracuse. We mentioned it earlier. BC is currently favored four, but that line will likely move depending on the status of Eric Dungy. Both teams, they've kind of already exceeded expectations this year. Um, So this game, it really just affects the pecking order of which bowl games they're going to go to. So I think it's going to be a really close game, but uh, I am going to take Syracuse uh, and just take the points here. All right. Next is the Big Ten. We're all set, of course, with Northwestern in the West, and they're going to play the winner of Michigan at Ohio State. Michigan is currently a a four-point favorite. I'm really anxious to see the battle of strengths in this one. You've got Michigan's great defense versus Ohio State's highly powered offense. Now, star defensive end Chase Winovich is questionable in this one, so that would be a big blow to the Wolverines if he can't go. It's been well documented that Ohio State's defense has struggled this season, but this is a big rivalry in their house, and I want to see what Patterson and Higdon can do when they actually need to score if it comes down to a situation like that. I've backed Ohio State all season against the spread, and they've let me down. So I'm going to take the more complete team and say Michigan gets the win here. I do think Michigan will win, uh, I guess, if I had to just pick straight up. But I'm going to take the points with Ohio State. I just it's hard for me to lay points with Michigan on the road against Ohio State. I mean, it's kind of kind of that simple. I I don't yet have the confidence. I feel like to do that, I'd have to be confident that this Michigan offense is is really good. And I'm not quite there. I think they're good, but they've been prone to stalling in the red zone. Of course, last week against Indiana, that happened a ton. Um, so like you say, if it does come down to one drive for Michigan, I just don't yet have the ultimate confidence in this offense. So I'll say they win, but I'll take the points with Ohio State. All right. I'm, I disagree there. I, I kind of mentioned this before, but um, I really do like Michigan. They struggled um, a little bit with Indiana last week. And I, but I do think they were kind of maybe looking past them a little bit towards this game that coming up here. And I don't know, it's, they're just going to come to this game with a different attitude. And I think we'll see the best Michigan of the year in this game. And I know Ohio State's offense is good, but they're going to be one dimensional against this defense of Michigan. They're not going to be able to run the ball that well. Um, so I, I, and I, I think they're going to be able to get to Haskins quite a bit and their Michigan secondary can match up at least a little bit with a Ohio State receiver. So I just, I don't know. I don't see how Ohio State's going to be able to pull this one out. So I like Michigan. All right. Let's move on. By the way, guys, uh, did I mention ever that I had Michigan uh, in the playoff at the beginning of the year? Yeah. Great odds, Mike. We we know. Great value. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 odds. You 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 mean the bet I placed on them to you're doubling down on Michigan win the title at like 70 to one. I need to. I think I had the Badgers. So that uh, didn't turn out too well. (laughs) Well, I also had UW in the playoffs. So yeah. They're not that far off. That's true. If they, especially if they beat Cougs. Let's get to the Big Twelve. Um, Texas plays at Kansas on Friday morning, and if they win, they're in. Um, and so then that would mean Friday night, the winner of Oklahoma at West Virginia is also in the Big Twelve championship. Now there is a situation where if Texas loses to Kansas, uh, then 
maybe the loser of OU West Virginia could still be in the Big 12 championship, or even Texas could still make it, depending on what happens in Iowa State, K-State. But let's ignore that possibility, and maybe this is dangerous, but let's assume Texas beats Kansas. They're favored 15, uh, even if Sam Ellinger doesn't play. Like you said, Ryan, Shane Bechel is a worthy backup. Um, so if they win, then we got a huge matchup, matchup, Oklahoma at West Virginia. Sooners are favored one, and I'm taking Oklahoma. I just I think they're the better team. Uh, they've got the pedigree, which I know it's late in the year, but it still kind of matters to me. It's just easier to trust what we've seen from them and their they've offense. They've done it. They've done it well, before. Yeah, yep. they've done it before. But uh, And last week, obviously, <laughs> that Kansas game didn't go so well, but maybe the defense was just not taking Kansas too seriously, You know, maybe looking ahead to this West Virginia matchup. And the offense. Apparently, for, they've been looking ahead all year. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> Maybe they're just. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they just. I don't know what's wrong. They're just looking to the playoff. Yeah, they're, they're exactly. Yeah. They're looking ahead to the playoff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then once the playoff comes, they're just looking ahead to the off season, probably. But <laughs> yeah, next year. Yeah, next year. Uh, <laughs> anyway, their offense, though, it doesn't matter. The offense seemingly has been getting better. The emergence of Kennedy Brooks at at running back has been nice. Here's their yards per carry on the ground the last four weeks. 7.5, and 7.8. It's just insane. So I I can't pick against them. I can. Um, This game is going to come down to who has the ball last, pretty much. I mean, they're going to score on almost every possession. And since it's in Morgantown, I got to give the Mountaineers a slight edge because of that. And What if Oklahoma scores with one second left to take the lead? Well, Does, Does that... I'm sure Will Greer and David Sills will throw a 90, 95 yard touchdown pass. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. it's probably accurate. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I, I'm going with the Mountaineers. If you told the Mountaineers in the preseason that they would have a win and you're in on the last game of the year, they probably would have taken it. I know the they had the the rough loss to Okie State, but yeah. And right now, I think the over under set at 81 or something. It it's just going to be <laughs> that's more crazy. Than that. It's crazy. Well, I mean, it, it might be like the uh, the Monday night football game with the Chiefs and Rams. It might just blow over that. Yeah. But uh, is that the highest total of the year? I mean, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot there, but do you know? I don't know, but it it, it very well could be. Yeah. Um, I know West Virginia is going to move the ball, but at this point, I'm concerned that the Mountaineers will be able to slow down Oklahoma. Probably the best quarterback matchup of the season too, with with Murray and and Greer. So, in a game that's going to feature a little defense, I'm going to take Oklahoma since I like their offense a little more. Can we can we craft a game that would have a higher total? Like who could Oklahoma be facing where the total would be higher? Oh. Well, what was the OU Texas Tech one? Oh, that yeah. okay. It that, has to be I don't big know 12 what teams. That, I don't know what yeah, but it, again, yeah, like you said, right? It's two Big 12 teams. It's got to be. <laughs> All right. Throw any Big 12 team out there and you you pretty much have it. Yeah, that's true. Either way, this one should be entertaining. Okay. What's next? Uh the next is the Pac-12. Um, so we have the, Michael already mentioned, we have the Utes. They were able to clinch the South with a win last week and losses by both Arizona schools. Um, and the North, it's going to be decided by the Apple Cup once again, yeah. which is awesome. We've been talking about this for weeks, seems like. Yeah, we have. It just, it kind of seemed destined to happen there late, but it's, uh, another time that'll happen. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Washington is a two and a half point underdog, uh, in the Palouse. And I don't know, I'm just a little surprised the Cougs aren't favored a little more here. Um, but I guess Washington's kind of recent dominance in this rivalry is a factor. 
Um, the Cougs haven't won the Apple Cup since 2012, and most of the games have been blowouts, not even close. Um, but this just feels like a different Coug team this year. Um, they have a different attitude. Their offense is actually paired with a legit defense. So I am going to take the Cougs. I think they're going to pull this one out. And another reason why I'm going to take them is the Cougs are 10-1 and against the spread. And UW is 2-9. and I don't think wow. you could be further polar opposites yeah. there. Yeah, well, sounding, sounding like somebody's due. Sounding like both teams are due to revert. So <laughs> I'm okay. feeling good about my pick. But Going back to the mean there. Okay. But uh, you, you couldn't ask for any more if you're a Cougs fan. It's a home game in the Apple Cup for all the marbles. You know, Washington has shown me very little to be confident in them winning here on the road. Honestly, I really like the Cougs in this one. Wazoo has the clear advantage on offense with Minshew and, and his weapons. The Huskies obviously might have an edge defensively, but I don't think it's that large of a gap as they both give up about the same amount of yards despite Wazoo's defense is generally on the field longer because of their quick strike offense. Pullman might run out of al- alcohol if they if they beat the Huskies here to go to the Big 12 oh, man. or the Pac-12 title. They'll just... They'll just drive right over to Moscow, Idaho and get it half-priced. Yeah, well, but I've backed UW all year, similar to Ohio State, but they've they've let me down. So I'm going to take the Cougs here, and I'm actually going to make them my lock of the week. Nice. Aaron's going to be happy with that. All right. Yeah, it's, it is going to be an insane atmosphere. That would be so fun yeah. to be at this game. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's no Notre Dame USC trade. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're eerily similar. I'm sure it'll be packed there. Uh, actually, probably be a lot of Notre Dame fans. There will be. Um, yeah. It's a different day, so he'll be able to watch both. Yeah, uh, I have also been burned by Washington this year. Of course, I picked to, them to go to the playoff, and I've kind of stayed high on them despite them looking underwhelming, just because they're kind of a darling of the advanced stats. They're still at least as we record this 10th in Massey Peabody. Um, the defense is 23rd in S&P Plus against the pass, so still pretty good there. I think that matches up well with Washington State. And Ryan, the big reason, like you said, though, is Chris Peterson has just dominated this matchup. Yeah, I just exactly. I trust him in the coaching matchup against Mike Leach, so I will pick the Huskies to get the upset. Oof, be a fun one. All right, next we've got the SEC. So, we we all know that Alabama and Georgia has been been set here for a while now, but uh, the first game I'm going to touch on here is the Egg Bowl. Number twenty one Mississippi State is a ten point favorite at Ole Miss, and this one is played on Thanksgiving night. Yes, we get to ignore the family for this one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but despite losing because of a questionable non-catch call last week, Ole Miss will still have plenty of motivation in this one as this is their bowl game, essentially. They're obviously not bowl eligible, and but uh, the problem here is that they've lost four in a row and now have to play a really good defensive team, not to mention the Bulldogs' strength on offense is is the running game, and Ole Miss has more of an Ole defense. Oh, wow. I like that. <laughs> I've it? never heard that before. Get it? Ole? Wow. Yeah. yeah. How could uh, I miss that joke? Ah, uh, see, yeah, well played. Yeah, then, yeah. But uh, so Fitzgerald and the Bulldogs will win the Egg Bowl in style. Next, we've got number seven LSU at Texas A and M. Texas A and M is actually a two and a half point favorite. LSU is a bit overrated, and A and M is a bit underrated in this matchup. The good thing here for the Aggies is that they only give up eighty yards per game on the ground, and that's the general strength of LSU's offense. So I like Mond here more than Burrow. 
and yeah, suck on that, Ryan. And <laughs> wow. And, and, and think that I think that Trayvon Williams and the Aggies will do just enough to knock LSU completely out of playoff contention. And the last one, Auburn at number one, Alabama. Alabama's a twenty-four and a half point favorite. It's too bad Auburn didn't live up to their their expectations this season, as this could have been a stiffer test for for Bama. Yeah, Citadel gave him a run, but I'm not, I'm not worried about Bama. The Citadel, excuse me, Trey. The, the Citadel. They, true. I think they earned that in that first half. That's a great point. <laughs> they did earn that, but uh, I'm not worried about Bama. They were sleepwalking. They're too efficient on offense and too stout on D to let Auburn win this one. Auburn actually comes in with the 14th ranked S&P Plus rated defense, despite giving up over 350 yards a game. Saban and the Tide are going to be razor sharp. They're not sleepwalking. But I do think 24 and a half is a few too many as Bama's going to take it easy in the second half to get ready for the showdown with Georgia. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Trey. I think 24 and a half is a bit much. I mean, I know Alabama is significantly better here, but uh, it's still a rivalry game. Auburn's going to come ready to play. Uh, so I'm going to take I'm going to take the points. I'm going with Alabama. Uh, I know Auburn's defense is good, highly ranked, I guess, but. There's been a couple games this year, especially on the ground. We saw what Georgia was able to do a couple weeks ago, um, putting up, I think, over 300 yards on the ground. So I think uh, Alabama has, of course, a big advantage in the trenches, and I think they'll do the same thing here. But now it's time for the group of five conferences. Uh, So we'll start with the AAC. Um, So the East is of course already decided UCF is uh is going to be in the conference championship game they do take on USF on the road this week um I think they dominate here they're a two touchdown favorite USF was a pretender all year they've now lost four straight games after what were they they must have been seven and oh so they were six and oh seven and oh or something like that yeah yeah but, they were pretenders yeah um and then but as far as who's UCF going to match up with in the conference championship it is down to Houston at Memphis. Winner goes to the title. Uh, even though if Memphis wins, there is the potential for a four-way tie for first place in the West, but Memphis has the the tiebreaker. So uh, all comes down to this. And unfortunately, my favorite player in the country, De'Eric King, oh, hey. went down with a meniscus injury last week. So he's out for the season. And it looks like true freshman Clayton Toon will get the start he's the one that that played last week but um they do have quentin dormity on the roster as well so maybe we'll see him but either way i think with uh the huge drop off at quarterback i think memphis gets the win as a seven point favorite yep okay uh so i have the conference usa um as we all know uab has already clinched the west sitting at seven and zero in conference uh, but the east is down to two teams we got florida international and middle tennessee so FIU hosts Marshall this week, and if they're able to win that game, then they will be your division champ as they own the tiebreaker over Middle Tennessee. Um, but Middle Tennessee, they have a tough game this week against UAB, um, and they're currently a two-point underdog. Uh, so FIU is definitely in the driver's seat right now, although they are one-and-a-half-point underdogs to Marshall. So what, what I think is going to happen is FIU is going to lose, and then Middle Tennessee will win, and they'll be your East winner. That sounds crazy, Ryan. I was very confused listening to that, but I think I got it. I think I got it. I think I made it sound more confusing than it really is, but, you know, oh well. <laughs> it's okay. I got it. All right. Yeah. All right. Now to everyone's favorite conference, the MAC. 
We've got in the West Division, Northern Illinois, they've already clinched. So they're going to face off against the East winner, which will be most likely Buffalo. Buffalo has to play Bowling Green on Friday. If they win, they're in. They're a 14-point favorite, so they're likely the the team to be represented. But Miami of Ohio or Ohio can still win the East if Buffalo loses. Here's the scenarios. Miami of Ohio, they need to beat Ball State and then, oddly enough, would be cheering for Ohio to win in order for there to be a three-way tie atop the division. And then the third level of tiebreakers, actually, Miami of Ohio would win the, that division. Ohio, unfortunately, needs a lot to occur, occur. They have to beat Akron and then have Buffalo and Miami of Ohio lose as both, and they're both double-digit favorites. And it, it's too bad for Ohio because arguably they're the best team in the conference as they only have two losses by a combined five points and both of which were on the road. All right, I've got the Mountain West here. Uh, this one is pretty simple. Fresno State already has the West Division locked up. So who are they going to face? It's going to be the winner of the Mountain Division, of course, and that's going to be the winner of Utah State at Boise State Boise State, on Saturday night. And actually, the winner of, of that game will host Fresno State. That's already decided. Broncos are a three-point favorite, but I'm going to take Utah State. I I love their offense. Yeah, nice. Jordan Love. Got it, Mike. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I just <laughs> thank you. Um Jordan Love, 25 touchdowns, four interceptions on the year. And they've got a really good offense. They spread the ball well. There's really not one guy that dominates the targets. One guy to watch they out for. They spread it wells. Huh. What's that? They spread it wells. <laughs> oh, very nice, right. Trey. Very All nice. Right. <laughs> um uh their head coach, Matt Wells. Yes. Of course. Yes. Uh, one player to watch out for is their number two wide receiver, uh, Jalen Green. He's a transfer from USC, very talented player, um, and he's a senior, so he's he's not green. Okay, okay, wow. you might say. Okay, well, yeah. I forced that one. I, we were doing puns, and I just thought I'd, I'd jump <laughs> in. Not going to stop. Yep, nope. Uh, so anyway, uh, Boise has not been dominant at home this year. They lost to SDSU, had to squeak by BYU a few weeks ago, and then, of course, needed a comeback against Fresno State. So I think the Aggies can go in there and do it. Yeah, I agree with you there, Mike. Yeah. Our- if they lose, I guess. No, never mind. I'm, I was going to say a really bad pun, and I opted against it. <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to the Sun Belt here. Um, in the West... You essentially have a semifinal game this week between Troy and Appalachian State because the winner of that game will be your West champ. So that's an easy one. But the East is a little trickier. So you got Louisiana Lafayette. Oh, wait a sec, Ryan. Who's going to win? Troy or App State? App State. They're 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 pretty big favorites right now. I, I didn't get the line here, but it's, <laughs> Thanks. it's a decent amount. All right, I'll, I'll look it up as you talk. <laughs> Maybe you can look it up as I'm... It was continue. seven last I saw. Okay, we'll go with seven. Right. Touchdown favorite. So there you go. Uh, all right. So if Louisiana Lafayette wins at Louisiana Monroe, they will win the East. Uh, but they're a three and a half point underdog right now. So that's not favored to happen. So if Monroe wins, then most likely Arkansas State would be your division winner as all they would need to do is beat Texas State. And they're favored by 13 and a half to do just that. But if, if Texas, if um, Texas State was able to beat Arkansas State somehow, then it would be Louisiana Monroe as your division winner. So 
some crazy scenarios there, but what I see happening is Lafayette is going to lose to Monroe and Arkansas State will beat Texas State. And so Arkansas State will be your uh, East winner. All right. I kind of liked going through the conferences here and oh, kind of knowing yeah. what games matter this weekend, you know? Like I would have not paid attention to Louisiana against ULM, or at least not that much attention, but now I'm I'm into it. Yeah, no, it's I like it. It's meaningful. It's kind of yeah. it's fun. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's super fun, Mike. It's I know it sounded like you're having fun. <laughs> uh okay. Well, what do you think it's time for, Ryan? Uh sleeping? No, no. It's only 9.27 as we're recording this. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Questionable finish. Let's do it. Notre Dame took some flack last weekend for their pinstripe-inspired jerseys. What is something that you get flack for wearing? Uh, You know, I I catch some flack for never wearing pants. I just strictly (laughs) stay with shorts. You wear shorts, shorts, right? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You want to clarify that? <laughs> I wear shorts. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't blame even the in people. cold weather. I mean, it doesn't get that cold here in in LA, but I just never wear pants. It's just well, Ryan. That's because we have the theory. What's what's our theory? Legs don't get cold. Legs don't get cold. That yeah. that is our saying. <laughs> Legs yeah, don't yeah. get cold. Yeah. Um. All right. For me, this was a tough one, but because I'm very well dressed. Uh, yeah. But I'll say the. Uh, the two schools that I went to, their their initials, I've I've been made fun of for both USC and USD. I'm not going to say what people have said, but oh yeah, no. Let's let's just say the S might stand for suck. They're interchangeable for you, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So as far as what I get flagged for wearing, I I have these these Sanook slip on sandal shoes. So they're they basically have a sandal bottom, but they look like a slip on shoe. They're very comfortable. And I think they look fine, but the lady friend thinks otherwise and isn't afraid to tell me about it. <laughs> I'm sure she appreciates you calling her the lady friend. Oh well, absolutely. <laughs> Your fiance. I'm, I'm a true. little surprised. I'm a little surprised Trey didn't say his, you know, his G strings that he. That he oh tells wow. Her. wow! No, wow. He probably, you know. Ooh. All right. <laughs> let's, let's move on. Um, by the way, Trey, can we post uh, to the Instagram those shoes that you're talking about? Absolutely. All right. Go check out our Instagram at college football bros uh all right it's rivalry week what is your biggest rival my biggest rival is bedtime i oh that is a good one i hate bedtime <laughs> you sound like a i wish i wish i had more hours each night after after getting home from work i i like sleep don't get me wrong but i wish i could add a few more hours each night to make it delayed yeah i get very upset when my girlfriend says it's time to go to bed <laughs> i am like a child ryan like you said <laughs> but i want to stay up yeah and also my biggest rival is actually in my bedroom it is my my television in my bedroom it has it has some lines in in the uh the left side of it so it it doesn't quite work but it's not bad enough to where it justifies getting a new one so I'm just kind of playing the waiting game, hoping for it to break, but it is not doing it. You could maybe give it a little nudge. That would I help. know, it's gonna, it'd be a real shame. It'd be a real <laughs> shame if something were to happen. Whoops. <laughs> it'd be a real shame. <laughs> uh, mine is kind of the opposite of Trey's. I, my biggest rival is the morning, just waking up. And I got to wake up at like, you know, 6.30-ish each day. And that's just, it's hard for me to do that. And even when I go to bed on time, it's just, ugh, I hate the mornings. 
All right, it's time for our upset specials, our rivalry week upset specials. I am going with a homer pick here. I'm going to pick Nebraska to go into Kinnick Stadium as 10-point underdogs on Friday. They're going to beat Iowa. Hopefully, J.D. Spielman is back to give Adrian Martinez another weapon. Like you said, Ryan, Nebraska is 1-4 out of 5. I I just think this game matters a lot more to them. This is our bowl game, like you were saying earlier for for Ole Miss, Trey. Uh, And I think Scott Frost has the coaching edge over the old geezer, Kirk Ferentz. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Ferentz has done pretty well. I know. He's a good coach, but I don't care. (laughs) So, you guys, I was really close last week as in my upset special. I had the Illini against Iowa, and they only <laughs> lost 63 to nothing. They <laughs> that only was lost quite 60. a score. I, they, they almost pulled it out. But, but this week, I got to take Baylor. They're catching seven against Texas Tech, and this game's in Jerry World. Alan Bowman's questionable, and the Red Raiders just got whipped by a poor K-State team with, and only scored six points. And Baylor needs this to get to a bowl game, so I'm going to take the Bears. Does Texas like Tech need it to get, to get to a bowl game, or are they? They do. It's okay. They're both 5-6. and six. All right. Wow. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with the team that's just, just letting go of their coach. I'm going to take the Colorado Buffaloes. They're getting 12.5 right now at Cal. Cal's offense is obviously not that great, um, so maybe this Buffalo team will respond uh, and kind of rally around McIntyre for his last game and pull one out. All right. Uh, thanks for listening to our Rivalry Week preview. I kind of feel bad we didn't bring up some game, like Oregon, Oregon State, Civil War. It's always a fun one. Well, not always. But, not always. Yeah. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State. What else do we miss? Uh, yeah. Um, don't know. <laughs> okay. It's hard to come up <laughs> off the top of your head. Yeah. Uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Yeah, that's a game. Yeah. Yeah, that is a game. Uh, mm. All right. Well, that's that's okay. We don't need to strain ourselves too much. Kentucky, Louisville, Tennessee, Vandy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah BYU, Utah. There They're we go. Now. It's coming to me now. The Holy War. The Holy War. The Holy War. Any closing thoughts before the end of the show? Yeah, I didn't. I, I, let's talk about Hawaii. They're, they're crazy situation over there. Yeah, no. So, so last week, UNLV was playing at Hawaii, and... Hawaii was down 28-13 with just under 11 minutes to go, and they pulled Cole McDonald and said, let's go with their their freshman quarterback, who happened to be, he finished the game 4-5 of five with three touchdowns and a two-point conversion, and they ended up winning by seven points. You know, to get bowl el- to get bowl eligible. You know, that's that's a perfect example of the new redshirt rule working. I mean, that kid didn't that kid never would have come in if he wasn't yeah. going to be able to keep his redshirt and then I mean, I'm assuming he's he's a true freshman. I think was the he was. I can't confirm that. If, anyways, possibility <laughs> maybe there. the redshirt rule impacted. Well, <laughs> maybe so the redshirt rule played a bigger. Cole, I know Hawaii's been struggling down the stretch here, but is Cole McDonald in danger of of losing the job? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like I I thought he was just having a great year. I well, the Hawaii program, or the high, you know, they they've just been struggling at the end, like you mentioned. So I don't know. I guess it probably is up for grabs at this point. Okay, well, especially with the way he, that kid played. I mean, come on, yeah. Um, all right, well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hope you have a uh, good time with your family this weekend watching football. So we will be doing the same. Where are we going, guys? We're going to wine country. Wine country. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> yeah. 
We're going to have some boomerangs drinking some wine this weekend. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.